Chapter 9 of Aunt Jane's Nieces at Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sherry Gardner. Aunt Jane's Nieces at Work by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 9 Old Will Rogers. Beth had her folding table out in the rose garden, where Kenneth was working at his easel, and while the boy painted, she wrote her campaign letters and editorials. At first Ken had resented the management of his campaign by his three girlfriends, but soon he was grateful for their assistance and proud of their talents. It was at their own request that he refrained from any active work himself, merely appearing at the meetings they planned, where he made his speeches and impressed his hearers with his earnestness. He was really an excellent speaker, and his youth and enthusiasm counted much in his favor. He protested mildly when Louise invited the Women's Political Club to meet at Elmhurst on Thursday afternoon, but Mr. Watson assured him that this was an important play for popularity, so he promised to meet them. Tables were to be spread upon the lawn, for the late October weather was mild and delightful, and Louise planned to feed the women in a way that they would long remember. Patsy had charge of the towns, and Louise of the country districts, but Beth often aided Louise, who had a great deal of territory to cover. The automobiles Uncle John had ordered sent down were a great assistance to the girls, and enabled them to cover twice as much territory in a day as would have been done with horses. But although they worked so tirelessly and earnestly, it was not all plain sailing with the girl campaigners, yet though they met with many rebuffs, they met very little downright impertinence. Twice Louise was asked to leave a house where she had attempted to make a proselyte, and once a dog was set upon Beth by an irate farmer, who resented her automobile as much as he did her mission. As for Patsy, she was often told in the towns that a young girl ought to be in better business than mixing up in politics. And she was sensitive enough once or twice to cry over these reproaches when alone in her chamber. But she maintained a cheerful front, and in truth all the girls enjoyed their work immensely. While Beth and Kenneth were in the garden this sunny afternoon, James came to say that a man wanted to see one of the politics young ladies. "'Shall we send him about his business, Beth?' asked the boy. "'Oh, no, we can't afford to lose a single vote. Bring him here, James, please,' said the girl. So presently a wizened little man in worn and threadbare garments, his hat in his hand, came slowly into the garden. His sunken cheeks were covered with stubby gray whiskers, his shoulders were stooped and bent from hard work, and his hands bore evidences of a life of toil. 
yet the eyes he turned upon beth as she faced him had a wistful and pleading look that affected her strangely a afternoon miss he said in a hesitating voice uh, i'm rogers miss oh will rogers i i suppose you hain't heard of me before i'm glad to meet you mr rogers replied the girl in her pleasant voice have you come to see me about the election it's it's something about the election and then again it ain't but i run the chance to seein' you because we're in desperate straits and nell advised that i have a talk with you frank and outright says nell don't beat about the bush says she go right to the point and they'll say yes or no beth laughed merrily and the boy smiled as he wielded his brush with delicate strokes you mustn't mind me miss said will rogers in a deprecating tone i'm i'm somewhat broke up and discouraged and ain't the man i used to be nell knows that and she order came herself but it just made her cry to think of it and so i says i'll come and do the best i can beth was really interested now sit down on this bench mr rogers she said and i'll listen to whatever you have to say he sat down willingly bent forward as he rested upon the garden bench and twirled his hat slowly in his hands tain't easy you know miss to say some things and this is one of the hardest he began go on said beth encouragingly for old will had suddenly stopped short and seemed unable to proceed they say miss as you folks is a spendin of a lot of money on this election a gettin votes and sich like he said in an altered tone it costs a little to run a political campaign acknowledged beth they say money's been poured out like in water to get votes he persisted well mr rogers well that's how it started you see we're so agonizing poor now thought we ought to get some of the money while it's goin the girl was much amused such frankness was both unusual and refreshing have you a vote to sell she asked he did not answer at once but sat slowly twirling his hat that's just what nell thought you'd ask he said finally and she knew if you did it was all up with our plan guess i'll be goin miss he rose slowly from his seat but the girl did not intend to lose any of the fun this queer individual might yet furnish sit down mr rogers she said and tell me why you can't answer my questions i guess i'll have to speak out and tell all said he his voice trembling a little although i i thought for a minute i could see my way without i can't sell my vote miss cause i've been planning to vote for mr forbes anyhow but we wanted some of the money that's being wasted and we wanted it mighty bad why that's the hard part of it miss but i'm going to tell you did you ever hear a lucy no mr rogers lucy's our girl the only chick or child we ever had she's a pretty girl is lucy 
good deal like in her mother. The same high spirits my Nell had afore she broke down. Mostly Nell cries nowadays. Yes, go on. Lucy had a schoolin, and we worked hard to give it her, for my land ain't much account no how, and when she grew up she had more boys comin' to see her than any gal this side of Fairview, and one of em caught Lucy's fancy. But she was too young to marry, and she wanted to be earnin' money, so she got a job workin' for Doc Squeers over to Elmwood. He's the dentist there. And Lucy helped with the housework and kept the office slicked up and earned every penny she got. He stopped here and looked vacantly around. Beth tried to help the old man. And then, she asked softly, Then come the trouble, miss. One day, old Miss Squeers, the doc's mother, missed a diamond ring. She laid it on the mantle and it was gone, and she said as Lucy took it. Lucy didn't take it. And after they'd tried to make my gal confess as she was a thief, they'd give her three days to hand up the ring or the money it was worth, or else they'd have her arrested and sent to jail. Lucy didn't take it, you know. She just couldn't do such a thing naturally. I know, said Beth sympathetically. So she comes home, heartbroken, and told us about it, and we didn't have the money, nother. It were sixty dollars they wanted, or the ring, and we didn't have neither of em. Of course not. Well, Tom come over that night to see Lucy here, and she was home, and— Who is Tom? That's Tom Gates, him that—but, uh, I'm coming to that, miss. Tom always loved Lucy and wanted to marry her, but his folks is as poor as we are, so the young'uns had to wait. Tom worked at the mill over to Fairview, the big sawmill where they make the lumber and things. I know. He was the bookkeeper, for Tom had schoolin' too, and he took private lessons in bookkeeping from old Cheeseman. So he had got hired at the mill and had a likely job and was doing well. And when Tom heard about Lucy's trouble and that she had only two days left before going to jail, he up and says, I'll get the money, Lucy. Don't you worry a bit. Oh, Tom, says she, have you got sixty dollars saved already? I've got it, Lucy, says he, and I'll go over tomorrow and pay Doc Squeers. Don't you worry any more. Forget all about it. Well, of course, Biz, that helped a lot. Now and Lucy both felt the disgrace of the thing, but it wouldn't be a public disgrace, like going to jail. So we was almighty glad Tom had that sixty dollars. It was very fortunate, said Beth, filling in another pause. The next day Tom were as good as his word. He paid Doc Squeers and got a receipt and give it to Lucy. Then we thought the trouble was over, but it had only just begun. Monday morning Tom was arrested over to mill for passing a forged check and getting sixty dollars on it. Lucy was near frantic with grief. She walked all the way to Fairview, and they let her see Tom in the jail. He told her it was true he forged the check, but he did it to save her. He was a man, and it wouldn't hurt for him to go to jail so much as it would a girl. He said he was glad he did it, and didn't mind serving a sentence in prison. 
I think Miss as Tom meant that, every word of it. But Lucy broke down under the thing and raved and cried, and another Nell nor I could do anything with her. She said she'd ruined Tom's life and all that, and she didn't want to live herself. Then she took sick, and Nell and I nursed her as careful as we could. How in the world she ever got away, we can't make out no how. Did she get away? asked the girl, noting that the old man's eyes were full of tears and his lips trembling. Yes, miss. She's been gone over ten days now, and we don't even know where to look for her. Our girl, our poor Lucy. She ain't right in her head, you know. She'd never a done it. She'd never a left us like this in the world. Tain't like our Lucy. Kenneth had turned around on his stool and was regarding old Will Rogers earnestly, brush and palette alike forgotten. Beth was trying to keep the tears out of her own eyes, for the old man's voice was even more pathetic than his words. Ten days ago,' said Kenneth, "'and she hasn't been found yet? "'We can't trace her anywhere, and now is broke down at last, "'and don't do much but cry.' It's hard, sir. I can't bear to see Nell cry. She'd such high spirits once. Where's the boy Tom? asked Kenneth, somewhat gruffly. He's in the jail yet, waitin' to be tried. Court don't set till next week, they say. And where do you live, Rogers? Five miles up the Fairview Road. Tain't much of a place. Nell says I've always been a shiftless lot, and I guess it's true. "'Yesterday your hired man painted all the front of my fence. "'Painted it white. "'Not only where the signs was, but the whole length of it. "'We didn't ask it done, but they just done it. "'I watched him, and now says, "'If we only had the money that was wasted on that paint and labor, "'we might find our Lucy. "'It's a shame,' says Nell. All that lection money being thrown away on paint when it might save our poor crazy child. I hope it ain't wrong, sir, but that's what I thought too. So we laid plans for me to come here today. If I can get a hold of any of that money honest, I want to do it. Have you got a horse? asked Kenneth. Not now. I owned one last year, but he died on me and I can't get another no how. "'Did you walk here?' asked Beth. "'Yes, miss, of course. "'I've walked the whole county over a-trying to find Lucy. "'I don't mind the walking much.' "'There was another pause, "'while old Will Rogers looked anxiously at the boy and the girl, "'and they looked at each other. "'Then Beth took out her purse. "'I want to hire your services to help us in the election,' she said briskly. I'll furnish you a horse and buggy, and you can drive around and talk with people and try to find Lucy at the same time. This twenty dollars is to help you pay expenses. You needn't account for it. Just help us as much as you can. The old man straightened up, and his eyes filled again. Nell said if it was a matter of charity, I mustn't take a cent, he observed in a low voice. It isn't charity. It's business. And now that we know your story, we mean to help you find your girl. Anyone would do that, you know. Tell me, what is Lucy like? 
she's like nell used to be but we don't know your wife describe lucy as well as you can is she tall middlin miss light or dark huh is her hair light or dark colored middlin just middlin miss well is she stout or thin i should say sort of betwixt and between miss how old is lucy just turned eighteen miss never mind beth interrupted the boy you won't learn much from old will's description but we'll see what can be done to-morrow call james and have him sent home in the rig he's going to use it seems to me you're disposin rather freely of my horses and carts yes ken you've nothing to say about your belongings just now but if you object to this plan i don't the girl must be found and her father is more likely to find her than a dozen other searchers he shall have the rig and welcome so it was that will rogers drove back to his heartbroken wife in a smart top buggy with twenty dollars in his pocket and a heart full of wonder and thanksgiving End of chapter 9 Recording by Sherry Gardner